Hello everyone, I'm Rob Warner. And I'm Elliot Jackson. And this is Just Ride, a new cycling podcast from Red Bull. Let's go. Honestly, I look like terrible. Like my nanny would ride faster than me. You seem so chill. And then you're just like, yeah, I I want to win everything. (laughs) And are you less anxious now about racing? I just put my so much pressure on myself. And then you see me now and I'm like, I pretend like I'm Lizzo going to the start line. Elliot, we're just days away now from the World Championships in Glasgow, the biggest World Championships in the history of cycling, they're saying. I mean, it's 11 days of mountain bike, BMX, road, track. Everyone's battling for the rainbow stripes. Everything's up there, right? Every single thing. I mean, I guess we better start with the obvious and say we're probably quite excited about the downhill, the World Championship <laughs> downhill on Anak Moor. I mean, it's what we know and love. It's going to be good to see that again. We know the crowds are going to be there. We know Greg Menard's going mm-hmm. to be there. Last Wells, maybe for him. That'll be quite yeah. quite special moment to go and see that. But yeah, yeah beautiful up in the Highlands. I, I think uh, Fort William has had this prestige in, in the mountain biking world for so long. Yeah. It is the race that everyone wants to win. It's probably the race that has the most fans. So I think to take that and kind of blow it up to the rest of the cycling, you know, we have people like Tom Pidcock coming. Racing? The Mountain Bike World Championships, not the Road World Championships. He's decided against the road and putting all his efforts into the Mountain Bike. I mean, imagine seeing Tom Pidcock, a Brit, become world champion on home yeah, that soil. Would that, be, wouldn't it? That is actually amazing, too, because we have a we have a ton of Brits. And imagine if you had, like, a British sweep or something like I Don't count against <laughs> it, man. Apparently, Petey's coming out of retirement. No, okay, I heard for okay. the downhill. Well, when's the last time you were there? When's the last time you rode? Up in Fort William. Yeah. I only got to ride it a couple of times as a World Cup event. 2001, I was 11th, I think. I w- my claim to fame there is I won. You won? The, no, no, I won, the, I won the first split in qualifying. Did you? And I won the, I, I was second place in the pedal in finals. No way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 I was on big fire. Old uh-huh. And talking about pedaling, as we are, Pidcock's big rival, and we know him, you know, on the road and in mountain biking, the MVP, Matthew van der Poel, mm. he is going to be there racing the road. He ain't going near a mountain bike all year. He's going to be on the road. So it's quite mad that you can see two of the biggest stars in sport actually yeah. not competing together, but in different disciplines this time. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting in that way because typically you would have a lot of riders. You know, you had Pauline, right, who raced mountain bike she raced cyclocross she raced uh gravel and now yeah. they're all in the same place so you so don't have that opportunity take four or five world titles <laughs> Imagine, one week. yeah like back a few back. months last yeah, year yeah. yeah that's right step on Speed it, it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, travels come right down but you know we expect it to be absolutely huge the tracks up there as well we got all that it's going to be it's going to be something very very special indeed isn't it yeah it'll be amazing don't miss it no don't miss it should we get a guest on yeah let's do it All right, so Elliot, we've got an absolutely massive game. I mean, massive. massive enough for a massive intro, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. I'm going to go for this. Yeah, All right. Okay. She is the 2021 World Champion, the Commonwealth Games gold medalist all the way from the Melbourne Hills in the UK. It's Evie Richards. Um, welcome to Just Ride, Evie. <laughs> 
Did you like? Was that good enough, Evie, or what? I feel like that's like um, you know, like a boxer. I should be walking on in like some like boxing outfit, shouldn't I? To that, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Swagging on. So, Evie, tell us a little bit how you got into cycling. I know that you were what you were insane hockey player, elite level hockey player at fifteen, and then you kind of got into cycling from your dad. Yeah, yeah. So I was playing. I just like from a really young age, I just wanted to go to the Olympics. We always went on holiday and for every like Olympic Games, we'd go on a holiday, hire out a house all together as a family and just watch everything. Like no, someone, someone would be in front of the TV for every single event. Um, oh. So that was like where the, the love for the Olympics came from from and then well you'd make a holiday of the olympics kind of yeah yeah we went to france we did cornwall um why that's absolutely amazing and we watched everything we the one year we had um a ping pong table after as our dining room table because that was like the sport we got into that year like always there was a sport we loved after the olympics so yeah we always that just like inspired me and then when i went to high school i just I just was on a mission. I started every sport until I found one that would take me to the Olympics. And then, yeah, it happened to be cycling after after trying like every single sport you can imagine, really. How did you how did you know it was going to be cycling? I had no idea, but like I'd kind of ruled out every sport. I'd done <laughs> tried everything. <laughs> yeah, I'd done rugby. I'd done high jump. I'd done athletic. I'd done every single sport possible. And it was almost like cycling was one of the last sports to that I picked up, really. At what age? Because that sounds more recent than if you tried all those sports. How old were you when you sort of first got on a bicycle? I think I was on a bicycle quite young, but never, like, we didn't do it loads, like, around the village, you know, got just, you, like, yeah. doing some stunts and stuff after school with the boys, but not really anything competitive until, like, I suppose, like, year 10, I don't know how old, maybe, like, 15, probably, was when I actually started riding. That feels... Yeah, that sounds to me, that feels quite late to me almost, but, and it was, you know, to, to, uh, as to where you are now, you know what I mean? Still at a young age, like you said, you've been world champion, Commonwealth gold as well. You know what I mean? You've achieved a huge amount. Yeah, no, I think I was quite lucky and I think that's almost like, I didn't, I didn't almost fall in love with the cycling. I fall, fell in love that I was good at it quite quickly. With huh. hockey, I kept trying and I just take so long to get better. And then cycling, I picked up a bike in the next, I think it was within like a year or two years, I raced like the world championship. So it happened wow. super quick. And I was like, right, this is the sport for me. Like, and it was a cycle to work scheme? Yeah, so it, it, those like different things like came together that year, like, I was playing hockey and they told me to pick up another sport for fitness and cycling was the only thing I wasn't doing and dad had a ride to work scheme bike and I helped him go and choose it and we'd just do like a run ride and then soon after that I got a job at a farm shop and the only way to get there was on a bike as well so me and dad would ride there together and he'd drop me off and then he would go to work so yeah loads of little things just happened that year just that kind of took me towards being on a bike and as well it was super nice like with hockey it was like I could tell dad hated coming. Like, bless him. He came to everything, but he would sit for like eight hours and watch us where he'd rather be at the rugby pitch. But then with cycling, it was nice. Like we'd go and do it together and we'd be back for the Sunday roast and it wasn't the whole day taken over. And we'd just go and do these sort of like adventures together, ride somewhere new. And it was just, yeah, I just loved the fact that we could spend time together as well. So there was just so many different things about the bike that just drew me to it really. The penny's sort of starting to drop for me now, just how you, you know, who you are. And like, hmm. you clearly come from like, you know, your family's really close. That I can see that. I can see that on your Instagram as well. But it's also like, you're just, sounds like you're just a mad sporting family, right? Is that how it is? You know, like you love, you live for sport. 
whether you're watching it or doing it. That's how it is. Yeah, that's it. We love, like, honestly, our family is like, we are the big rugby supporters and we'll go to all the rugby games and we'll be like full kitted out in the rugby kit or even when I'm not riding, I want to be running or we had a camp in Lavinia the other day and I was teaching everyone how to play rugby and actually the Swanee dislocated her shoulder with oh me doing a line in. Yeah. Hey, lucky it wasn't from... Yolanda, you imagine. <laughs> no, Yolanda didn't join in, but like, <laughs> honestly, it was full contact and Anton is a bit of a machine when it comes to the rugby pitch. Poor Riley and Vlad, they had no chance. So ah. it was a good job the Swanee dislocated her shoulder. So then we had to stop that after that. So oh I just love all sports, just, just anything. I just... Yeah, just keep me moving doing sports. It's like my happy place, really. I mean, you're, I feel like you're known as one of the most social kind of bubbly people. And you've also kind of developed this ability to, to balance life and sports. Um, and that's really unique with an athlete. I think the question that I would want to know is like, what's the, what's the perfect after event holiday? Like, what are the three ingredients you need after an event to have a perfect holiday? For a holiday, oh, I love, honestly, I plan, I'm already planning my yeah. after holiday now. Like it starts quite early, but ah. it doesn't, I don't need much. I just need my friends. But that's all I really need. Like anywhere <laughs> with my friends and somewhere where we can have a dance and I'm I'm pretty happy. Yeah, but I, I love an after end of season holiday. It's my favorite time of the year, really. And you, um, I think that that's always been hard. Even, you know, for me, even now traveling, you have these almost two lives where you have your friends at the event and then back home. Is that something you had to work on to kind of know? Because I know you you also have kind of like talked about what it meant to be a typical athlete or like the athlete that you were supposed to be, just like no friends, not talking to anyone, just training all the time. What was the thing that made you realize like, oh, I need to, I need to go on holidays, I need to have my friends? Yeah, I think when I started, I was like super serious, like completely different to how I am now. And I was just quite happy being like that. I just thought that's how you had to be to be the best in the world. Um, and I, I won Crossworlds twice after that. And I suppose I was winning, but it wasn't really filling me with any help, happiness. I was just, I won them. And it was more of a relief than like, oh yeah, I won it sort of thing. And then what, I think it was the year... so much in maybe, you mean, or you sort of expect... Yeah, like... I just, there was nothing else outside of, I was just riding a bike. I lived in Manchester basically on my own. I rode my bike and I came back and that's what I did every day, day in, day out. And there was nothing else really in my life. So I think I was quite happy doing it. I loved riding my bike and that's all I needed. But I think it probably got to the stage where it felt like if I wasn't getting the win, it felt like I put my life on hold for for nothing. So it was like I was riding to win and then my life was just on standby till I finish cycling and then I start living. Yeah. And I think I just got to a stage where I realised you just can't put your life on hold till I'm 40 to then start living. It's like life's too special and too short to do that. So, yeah. In an idealistic world as an athlete, yeah, that's kind of almost perfect but unsustainable right? As, right as you sort of found out but yeah if you if you want to be world champ you want to go to the olympics then why not put absolutely everything into it yeah yeah i think that's it i think you're almost like always like win at all costs and yeah you're always taught just like you sacrifice everything you to be a, become an athlete you have to make sacrifices and i was like right i will sacrifice everything and 
I just realised you just can't you can't do that forever. It's not sustainable. And don't need to, it doesn't right? make you happy. And you don't need to. No, no, that's completely right. I mean, I think too, like you've uh, you've kind of t- like talked about that before. How kind of deep you went there with you know getting injuries and like body image issues, and it, it does feel like that. Where as an athlete, you're kind of trying to continually overcome challenges. Is there something that made you that was a switch to say, okay, you know, I need to change something. Like I, this has to change. There's no way I can continue to do this. Yeah, so when I was on the academy, I think I think it got to a stage where I hadn't had a period for about, I think, probably three or four years. It was like until, as soon as I turned pro, it, I lost my period. And it was something mum was never happy about. And I was away from home. And growing up, we never had scales or body image was never something in our house. It just, mum is like, I don't know, she would run around naked and did not care about whatever she looked like so we weren't brought up with worrying about what you look like so I think it got into cycling and then just all the cameras on you and then people criticizing your weight or what you look like or saying oh well she's not a climber because she's built like this or and I I think it got in my head a lot and I lost a lot of weight and lost my period and yeah it got to a stage where mum just said right Evie you're not getting back on your bike until you put on some weight and you get your period back yeah so she was the sort of person to kind of put her foot down and said, yeah, you're not really the same person. You, you need to you need to get your period back and be healthy, really. So, yeah, it was probably mum. Excuse my ignorance, but like, so why why did your period stop him? Because you got so thin. And, and is that something that is unhealthy for a woman? Yeah, so it's not even like, I think with it's called like um, relative energy deficiency. And you, it like say for me I'm quite like a built person we're not like super skinny family or anything but so I might not get to the the skinniest level of someone else but I still have such a low energy availability where your body starts to shut down systems that it doesn't think it needs so it doesn't have the energy to keep up all the things so it stops your reproductive system as the thing as it doesn't think it needs so for me it wasn't I didn't look so skinny compared to the other girls but for my body type it was it was too little weight for me to have, really. Huh. That's Yeah, I didn't ever make that. But it's fair to say that since then, and you've had enormous success along, way, along the way, but you, it feels like you found a balance, right? And I actually bumped into Tracy Mosley at the airport the other day, and we chatted about <laughs> you. And she said that you've got a new trainer now, and you're doing kind of less than you've ever done, but being, you know, maybe better numbers than you've ever done as well. But you've got time for a life. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Like I've yeah, I've changed coaches again. It probably they're thinking How many is that? Bloody hell. <laughs> Evie Evie shuffles through these coaches. I look nice on the outside. I'm probably a <laughs> bloody pain in the ass to work for, aren't I? <laughs> oh my god. How many coaches have you gone through? Oh, we don't want to count on this one because I don't think. Good number. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I changed coaches in January. And again, like, I think last year was another turning point for me where I got an injury, which I just couldn't work. I was training. I went in with the rainbow jersey that year and I was training more than I'd ever trained. And then I get this injury and I was just going so slow and I didn't even look like myself like uh just yeah and then I just thought right yeah I got that back injury and I think it was a lot of overuse and doing too much and yeah it got to January and I was like right I'm gonna make a change and I changed coaches and 
I'm doing, yeah, less than I've ever done. And I'm still training really hard, but it's like very specific. And yeah, Paolo is, is great because I love swimming and I love running. He's like, yeah, go for it. Go and do something funny. So it's great. And I found a really good balance now. And sometimes in the past, it would be like a couple of weeks where I'd be really like motivated and super happy. And then I'd call my psychologist like, Rich, I've crashed all my plates. You need to help me pick it all back together. And it would be a bit of a trend, but I've done like four months and my plates are still spinning and they haven't all crashed. So I feel like this year is the first year that I've just found this like a really amazing balance where I'm super happy and uh, like I hope the riding will come this year because of all of that. And you know, Evie, I want to I want to back up a little bit because I want to give people context, just like how fast you progress. Um, in 2016, you won cyclocross world championships. Uh, and speaking of Tracy Mosley, you were on a borrowed bike. Like, how did that even happen? I feel like that that shows like that's insane. Yeah, it was such a weird race. So I, I was living in Manchester at the time and I was just doing cross races just for fitness. And I think I'd like, I was over-cycling actually at that point. I'd said to mum and dad, they came up to Manchester. And I said, I'm over this. I want to do a ski season. I, I don't want to ride my bike anymore. Like, it's it's not for me. And they just said, okay, race national champs and world champs and then decide after that. Like, there's no stress. Just do those and then we'll see. And yeah, we didn't really have enough bikes. So Tracy, Tracy's always helped me. And she was like, oh, I'll lend you some bikes. And they were completely different. Like one SRAM, one Shimano, different size frames. One, I think one was electric, one was normal. And just like rocked up back of the grid, like staying with mum and dad in like a caravan. And then, yeah, I raced it and won. And we went back to the caravan after like, oh yeah, that was a good day out. And then next day came back, like obviously as a world champion it was just this massive thing and I didn't even really know it's, it's kind of a big I didn't deal. know yeah. what yeah. a world champion was when I won <laughs> no it why. and it was crazy no why and I feel like you were saying that you were like born to race cyclocross like and you started on the road like how did how did you make the transition into mountain biking and why did you stop kind of the road cyclocross stuff yeah so I, I started initially on the mountain bike um and then just when I moved on to the academy, I just had a coach that really enjoyed the road. So we did a lot of road riding that year. And then the cross was just for fitness, just started doing it for fitness. And then and then when I moved back to another coach and went back more into mountain bikes. So mountain bikes always been what I, I it's really hard because I love everything about mountain bike. I love where we go and the people we meet. But with cross, I just love the mud. I love running and I love the chaos. <laughs> So it's just like a real hard split because I love them both and I, I can't do everything. So when you kind of in my, well, as a commentator, burst into my vision, really, and Novia Mesto, when, when, you won those, when you won those short track races, was that 2019 or 2020? I can't remember. I think that was after COVID, so maybe 2020. Yeah, I think it was as well. But, you know, you came out. You won them both, didn't you, when we had those two races there, right? But just... Yeah. But I, I spoke to the coach after the first one, the, the British cycling coach. And he said, anyway, we had a chat and he said, look, if Evie gets out in front, if it comes down to a drag race, she will destroy absolutely anyone here. <laughs> and I was like, what? Anyone? He was like, yeah, she will destroy anyone, which you proved. But now hearing your history as well, that you came from Sotter Cross on the road... The technical side of riding a mountain bike didn't come as easily. And, and to me, to watch you improve in that, that area has been 
almost unbelievable. I know you've worked with Tracy, with Katie Curd. The, you mm-hmm. know, you always had the fitness, but these days you've got about to ride a bike and you've been world champion in 21. I mean, you must be pretty proud of how far you've come. Yeah, always when I was on the academy, it was that every year we'd do our review and it's like, you had to do what you're terrible at. And I was always like, oh, I'm bad at descending. I'm really bad at descending. And then suddenly I think this year it's like talking with my psychologist of what, what my strengths are or when I changed over to Paolo as well. Like, what are you good at? I was like, I'm not really sure. And then when I come to these races, I'm like, actually, I'm not bad at descending now. And I'm like, that feels amazing because... <laughs> Like it's yeah, it's such a cool thing. Yeah, yeah. So wow, you know, it is funny you say that because when I was at the World Cups uh, watching you, I was like, oh, Evie's one of the best bike handlers out there. So to hear you to hear you guys say that is 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 pretty crazy to me. I think it's really strange because like if someone saw me on a World Cup week, they'd be like, oh, she's riding like a granny. I'm just so slow and just like honestly, I look like terrible. Like my nanny would ride faster than me on the descents, and then. When it comes to racing a descent, I just, something switches inside and then I can really push and I don't, I just love it. But yeah, on any trail ride or any course practice, you think, oh my goodness me, don't let her on the course this weekend. Wait, but you're so, you're so competitive. Where does that come from? Like you seem so chill and like wouldn't hurt a fly. And then you're just like, yeah, I want to win everything. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I think dad's very competitive. Mum wouldn't mum gets her adrenaline from like shopping or like there's no there's no competitiveness in mum at all. So yeah, it comes from dad. He's competitive about everything. So it's definitely a strain from him. How's the this year, obviously we haven't been at the World Cup races. What well, I, I believe you've had two of them. They haven't been or have you had three now, but you've had a bit of bad luck, right? Yeah, so I, I went into the fir- the one race like before the World Cup and I was just flying. I was so shocked. I'd come down from altitude and I just put like two minutes into was people. Was that Bagnoles or somewhere? Or? It was in Chur. It was like a hilly Swiss race uh, the no, week that's before. Right. And you smoked And I just everyone. rode away from before everyone. Before the World Cup, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was just incredible. It's like we sat down at the start of the year and I just, I need like a consistent year this year. After not finishing races, I just wanted like a consistent year like top 10, top five would be incredible. So I came into that and I was like, oh my goodness, what's happened? This is incredible. And then Nova Mesto as well. I was like super happy, like out there in the short track, I think fourth. And then the race on the Sunday, again, I I just rode away from everyone on the start loop. And then unfortunately I punctured and it took us a long time to change it. And I lost a lot of time, but I think I rode back up onto the podium. So yeah, the first race was great. And then the second race, um, lens hide. Yeah, not bad. Sixth. I think we're like kind of I'm doing a lot of altitude, which I haven't done in like five years. So it's a bit of a risk. And obviously I've changed coaches. So just like finding my feet and seeing, yeah, like pushing towards worlds and trying to have like a consistent year. But it feels it's a bit like random, like on the podium and top 10. I mean, yeah, you're right in there. But I've, I've read somewhere I thought that you had a trouble with your shoe or something in Lenza High. Is that what I made uh, yeah. No, no, I've I've broke two carbon wheels. I've punctured and I've broken a shoe. In a <laughs> oh so, like, I've really, I've really had some unlucky disasters in the first few races. Like, no, yeah, why? so I'm just getting them all out the way now. And I went to the police station as well. The two, uh, three <laughs> days before Lenza High as well. <laughs> why? 
for riding where I shouldn't be riding. <laughs> so I'm just getting all the bad luck out the way now. And then yeah. by world champs, I'll be good to go. Yeah, she is. It's like, why is Evie miss a start? Well, um, yeah. <laughs> Evie, we probably have some people who don't know too much about the, the format of the cross-country races. Can you just explain what a week a weekend looks like? You know, you have short track and the Olympic distance. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so basically we jump on course on Thursday for practice. Friday we go to a short track, which is 20 minutes full gas race. Saturday back on course for practice and then watch the downhill of course and then Sunday we race and that's an hour and a half race on the Sunday and the Sunday race is gridded by our short track. And so what are the differences between kind of short track and the longer one like beside the distance is it same course um are the people who win short track the same as people who win Olympics? Yeah so normally if you're going well in a full distance the short track comes really but there's also some people that are either better or worse at the short track and then short track is it's a shorter race much more punchy and a lot more tactical which is I was always think why Pauline does good because she's got so much road tactics it's very tactical and you have to be really smart with it and actually you do have to be smart but you've got an hour and a half to be clever with short track it happens really quickly so yeah, they're, they're quite different, really. Set this up, because you guys are about to talk about uh, your first short track win, Evie. So maybe maybe tell us a little bit how that went, and I want Rob to kind of chime in afterward. Well, I won the first one, and then the second one, we had another sprint. Me and Pauline had another sprint, and I won that one. But I think I closed her in a bit to the barriers, which I wasn't sure. I didn't know you weren't allowed to do my first ever race. And then I spent an hour and a half crying on my mum, on the phone to my oh. mum saying, I wish I never won. I I, I, oh. I don't want to be here. This is terrible. And Why I was a real drama queen. the queen a bit? Is that how it felt? I felt so bad. I was like, I'm a nice person. I didn't come, I didn't come here to be mean to anyone. And I just cried. I said, I wish I came second. But as I remember, Remember it? The barrier came out or something, didn't it? Do you remember it? Wasn't yeah, anything, yeah. It was something I, well, a bit I weird with the barrier, not anything you did. Yeah, like I was made feel really bad, and I had to apologise to the oh commentators and uh, all. Most of the riders in the top five, I apologised to no because way. everyone was so cross. Oh, and then I watched it later that night, and I thought, oh, it wasn't that bad, Evie. Right, so yeah. I, I, w- I was, I was really upset. I think I was, yeah, I felt awful at the time, and then when I watched it back, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't as bad, but I think we got a better relationship now. I would, yeah. I would hope so, maybe. Yeah, yeah I think no so. I mean, is is XC kind of, can you make moves like that? Like, surely you're on a single track, so you have to do some block passing, bang some bars or whatever. Like, is it, what's the vibe like when you're riding with a bunch of other women in, in the front? Yeah, with short track, it is. It's quite ruthless. You can dive bomb, <laughs> you can do whatever you want. But I think it was just because it was on the final sprint finish and I just don't think women always take those moves. I think if it was in a men's race, I don't yeah. know if there would have been as much uproar. I think it was maybe a bit of a shock almost. And also, Evie, you you know you were you were fresh, like you weren't established like you are now. And and it's, and it's yeah. not, you know, and it's nothing against Pauline. She is who she is, of course. But like, the favoritism does tend to go. 
sometimes to the <laughs> better, well-known, more well-known rider. You know what I mean? Like there's an influence there, right? And obviously her reaction as well fired it all up. I mean, you know, for commentary, it was amazing. I need to, I'm going to watch it yeah, back. It's, uh, yeah. it? it's amazing, isn't yeah. it? That's why we do it. That's, what, that's the emotion. No, no, yeah. So cool. You're right. So I wanted to kind of like talk about there's these three experiences that you've had that I think are really cool. One is that short track win. Um, the other is going to the Olympics. Like you talked about that you didn't care what sport it was in. You just wanted to go to the Olympics. Um, and you got to go. Uh, you got to go to mm -hmm. Tokyo. Uh, you got seventh, I think, right? Yeah. I think so. Tell me, like, did it live up to the hype? Did it, did, did you, was it as cool as you thought it was going to be? I'm not going to lie. I don't want to burst anyone's bubble who also wants to go to the Olympics, but it wasn't what I had, like... Wait, what did uh, you... Not, not what I had dreamed of. I what just thought I'd... What did you dream of? Like, what did yeah. you think it was going to be? I thought I'd see Tom Daly and I'd thought I'd see, like, Adam Peaty and all these p famous people that I've watched on TV and I'd be, like, staring at them and everything <laughs> at the, the dinner table. on the massage table next <laughs> to them, all that. Yeah. yeah, I thought, oh, God, I've got two weeks with Tom Daly. This is right. going to be incredible, isn't it? And then... <laughs> We get to Japan and the mountain bike village is separate and we're oh, eating. No. Oh, no, that shouldn't be a thing, right? Terrible, terrible. There was thing. no, I got told there was hairdressers, a nail bar, everything. McDonald's. Like, incredible. <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah. Then you, we got there and you had to eat your food in plastic gloves in like a plastic oh. container. Wait, do you think COVID <sighs> ruined it? Like if you, when you go again... Do you think it'll be it'll be different? I think it will be different because when I went to the Commonwealth Games in Australia, it was the best thing I'd ever done. It was incredible. And I just think, I think the fact that cycling was out of the way, I had two weeks where me and Tom just lived in a Wait, Tom, cabin so you, together. Wait, you met Tom Daly like you... No, sorry. No, unfortunately, okay, it was okay. Tom Pickle. <laughs> it was, I would have loved to stay with Tom Daly for two weeks. I lived with Tom Daly. Yeah, I was like, oh, <laughs> wow. I took a turn. That, that moved fast. <laughs> No, so we, I just stayed with me and Tom Peacock, stayed in a little cabin for two weeks. And it was just like, I go from having, going, like when I'm at these races, I'm swimming with the downhill boys on the top of a swimming pool the other day. And it was amazing. And to just staying in a cabin for two weeks and only being out, we were only allowed to ride on a training road, which was like 20K. Oh and then come straight God. back to the house yeah. through security. So I think COVID just made it really, really strict. And it just kind of took a bit of that even after the race we weren't allowed out even into japan oh, we had to go straight to the airport so the, the stress of the poor like the japanese organizers you know what i mean like it's already been postponed a year yeah. like if yeah. they have anything goes slightly up yeah it could have yeah. shut it down i suppose i mean it was the most no no you're you right the most stressed olympics there's ever been mm. right and they did a good job because yeah the event went on and it was yeah. i was still so lucky to go like i wouldn't change i would still go but it was just wasn't like i had this like eight-year-old dream of like the opening ceremony that i thought i'd be walking to which i was watching on like this little box tv with face paints on it was just like so yeah. different to what i thought but i think paris will be incredible and that's like my full focus is on going to paris really yeah and so what is it like trying to go to the olympics in in xc honestly it's hard it's i think it's hard in any sport but no one I think the thing that I never realised is you have to qualify a place for your country. I never even knew that. I thought right. you had to be the best in your country and then you'd go, but your country, country has, has to qualify, to qualify a place. Right? 
Ah. And then you have to qualify for that place. Because it requires more than one good rider, really, doesn't it? You know, you need three girls chasing the points, otherwise you're not going to qualify. Some countries don't even get a rider on the line, and some like UK. How many spots do you get? One or two? It's it's savage, isn't it? The Olympics is absolutely savage. Yeah, there's been. I think there was. I think well, we. I don't think we even qualified a female place that year, if I remember. So it it's really hard. Yeah, it's it's harder than I thought it would be. Yeah, yeah, but it's the greatest. It is the greatest thing in the world. So yeah. (laughs) What was it like for you to see Yolanda? Enjoy that success in yeah. Tokyo. I mean, you were right there. That was a pretty special day. Honestly, I just, I could have cried for her. Like when I saw her in drug testing, I was just like, I was so happy for her. Like she'd had a bit of a rough year that year. And I think when, yeah, yeah when someone's had a rough time, you just want to see them do well. So yeah, I couldn't have thought of a better person to win on the day. I was so happy for her. I just, I felt really emotional watching her okay. win. It was amazing. And Yolanda is your teammate on, on track. That's right. Yeah, yeah, Yolanda's my teammate on Trek. What has it been like when you first got on Trek? You had Emily Batty and Yolanda, and they kind of both been around for for a while. Did you did you learn a lot from them? Um, were they kind of like your your mentors coming into the World Cup scene? Yeah, definitely. Like, well, initially it was Emily who I got on the team with, and I felt like we just connected really well. We we were quite similar. We were like our own separate people, but like could do it alongside each other. So in the morning, we'd both sit in in our own beds, eat our breakfast with our headphones on watching vlogs because we both love doing that. Or at the airport, <laughs> we both like shopping, but separate. And we'd say like, right, I'll see you in an hour. Yeah, you're just so, yelling over, we, I got a deal. I got a deal. <laughs> yeah. So we're just, yeah, we got on really well. And I, I, I was so happy to be with Emily because I watched all her all her YouTube growing up, as soon as I got into riding, it was her YouTube channels that I watched. So, yeah, it was incredible being on the team with her. And, yeah, it was amazing. And then, obviously, Yolanda came on as well. So I, I've had the best women in the world, really, to look up to, which has been amazing. What's your relationship like with Yolanda? I mean, because you are, you know, your teammates. doesn't mean you're friends. You're massive competitors. Is it is it difficult to balance being competitive or is it all out the window and you're just good mates? No, I feel like we get on well. I think we're both as crazy as each other, which is good. I'd because, agree. <laughs> yeah, it's it kind of we get on well on that sense is that we're both just like just as balmy off the bike as we are on the bike. So yeah. I think sometimes like we can like when we're doing course practice, we don't always go together. We'll go separate. But I think that's more us focusing on our own ride. But then after she's had a terrible race and crying I'm there for her and if I've had a terrible race she's there for me and I feel like yeah I feel like we are there for each other so and we can have a good gossip about anything else because she's also good at switching off on biking she doesn't just ride she can she can switch off and we can have a good gossip which I I really like in a person but I feel like both of you guys are, are similar in that way where like if you if you met the both of you outside of being at an event you wouldn't really know that you're a bike rider because you can switch off. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I really like that about her. I can't talk about bikes all the time. I don't know enough about bikes to talk about them that much. <laughs> so you, that same year that that Yolanda had that moment, um, was kind of the third moment that I wanted to talk about, which is the World Championship that you won in in twenty twenty one. How how was that? Yeah. So going into like when I say I got seventh at the Olympics, it was just. I would train so hard for those games and I'd put everything into them. And I just, 
I got so nervous on the day, it just all crumbled down for me. I was just a shaking mess. I was so nervous. And then I just knew that all that training hadn't really gone to waste almost. So when I got back, I just had a real good reset. I went on holiday with my family to Cornwall and just had the best time ever and still took my bike and rode, but really switched off and saw my friends. We had a field party and just I just had a really nice three weeks at home where I rode and just had fun and... And then I went into that world champs thinking, well, I've been on holiday and doing all these lovely things. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to do well. And then, yeah, the short track, it surprised me and I was in the sprint finish to win. And then the next day I thought, well, that was great, but I'm not going to do good in the full race. And then, and then I won that. And then it just kept going on from that. So it was kind of an amazing, yeah, amazing end of the year, really. I mean, where do you rank these things? Like you've won a world championship, you've won the Commonwealth games, like, how would that rank compared to the Olympics? How do you, what is your goal now when you, when you're racing? Yeah. So like, yeah, it's weird because I think when I, even in Novemesto, when I didn't win that race and I was like riding off on the front, everyone's like, oh, you cross. I was like, nah, like I'm, I'm, I, I, I just want to race to put on a show almost. Like, obviously I, I want to win, but I want people to think, God, she's quick at the descents or oh, she's <laughs> trained hard this winter and I, I want to feel good. I want to be happy and the results right? will come. Yeah, the results will come when they come. Uh, I just want to be happy going into the races and feel like I can push and play a game in the race. And hmm. that's what I'm striving for in the races is to have like the ability to like play a game and like really enjoy the race. And yeah, I hope the results will come from that. But yeah, it's kind of changed, I think, from what I would have said when I first got into riding. Like you said, you've enjoyed enormous success already. We're going to the World Championships in Fort William. I mean, it's a home World Championships for you. It might be the only one you get to race on home soil in your entire career. I mean, that's not impossible. How important is it to you? You know, you've done it before. I guess you're looking to do it again. (laughs) Yeah, like I sat down in January and I, I ranked out all my races of out of 10, how important was it for me? Huh. And the World Championships is a 10 out of 10. I want, I'm want. i going there to win it. These races, these World Cups, like maybe I ranked sixth or seventh or out of 10. Like I want to go and be strong and race well, but I want to go and win Worlds. And, and like, I don't normally say that, but this year I really want to go and win Worlds. So that is like top of my agenda this year. Do you do better under pressure? I don't, I don't really know actually. Because I feel like I'm quite good at... I don't feel like I feel pressure now from other people. I only feel pressure for myself. But then even when I'm going into the races, I feel like I can manage it well. So, yeah, I kind of do feel pressure, but I don't... Yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like it affects me too much now nowadays. Do you think when you line up in to- in uh, Paris, do you think... Because you had the experience of Tokyo, like you said, basically you basically sort of folded up, crumbled a bit. Because And how could you not, but... Are you expecting that to be easier second time? Yeah, I, I think it will. I'll have had like four extra years of working with my psychologist. So by then, I'll basically be a psychologist <laughs> myself and I'll be so strong mentally, I'm hoping that it will be easy. But yeah, I speak to my psychologist every two weeks and I hope that will be enough sessions by Paris that I'll be really strong mentally. You'll be able to write a book on it yeah. before you go. Oh, I, I think I, I can, yeah. With the sports psychologist, it's only just coming in kind of the mountain bike world. And one of the things I hear so much is like, how do you 
find someone like that? How do you trust someone like that that like doesn't come from your world? What was that process like? Because I think that that would help a lot of riders. Yeah, so I it mine I started working with one really randomly actually. I when I joined British Cycling, I started being sick in every race. It was really weird. I I joined in every mountain bike race. There was the first one was like Alice Barnes who was on the program with me. She said, "Oh, sick in the race. Probably got food poisoning." I said, well, "Yeah, I was threw sick up as well." In the race. Yeah, and then nice. I said, "Oh, maybe I've got food poisoning as well." And then it just carried on. Every XE race, I was just I would start after like five minutes, and I could be sick. 10, 15 times through a race. What? That's crazy. And it's so weird to think no back now. Way. That, wow. Yeah. Oh, that must be horrendous while you're trying to race. Oh, it's horrible. It's not very attractive either, is it? <laughs> I need like a boyfriend. I can't you find that if I'm... You need a bib. Just, <laughs> yeah, it's horrendous. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> the poor mechanics, it used to be all over the bike. <laughs> it's horrendous, oh honestly. God. I hadn't thought that. <laughs> it's horrible. But yeah, like Cannes World Champs, yeah, I didn't finish that because then I got basically heat stroke from being sick. Uh, because you're dehydrating, right, as you're being sick? Yeah, so I saw the British cycling doctor and he basically said, oh, it's psychological. I said, no, you're wrong. It's not. There's something wrong with me. And we did like a like a camera down your throat and some checks. And he said, I promise you, maybe it's psychological. No way. So I said, okay, I'll start working with a, a psychologist. And I started working with one at... I just felt like I was just staring in a classroom. It just didn't do anything. Mm. And they brought a new one on to British Cycling. I started working with him. And it was the same time I had knee surgery. So I had six months off the bike. Uh, yeah, I had like, yeah maybe four months off the bike, I think. And when I came back, I stopped being sick. There, I haven't been sick since after wow. working with a psychologist. So and it, it just stopped it. But so, this, so a mental thing actually, actually did come out of you in a physical way. Like I got, brain I and think body I are that tightly yeah. linked. Is that right? Like it's quite mad that you that you were doing exactly the same effort, but you spoke yeah. to a psychologist and you weren't sick fifteen times. That's 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 mad. You know, really. that's you quite know what the like switch was like. That can you look back yeah. and be like, oh, this is what this is. Was it like anxiety? Like was it some thoughts that were coming into uh, your yeah. head? Yeah, like I think it's weird because I never had it in cyclocross. Right. And cyclocross for me was always like a fun race. I just do just for fitness. And I think I must have got so anxious for the mountain bike races. And I, I do get quite anxious. And I think that just my body just came out in sickness. Just no It just way. couldn't deal with it. And yeah, I started working with Rich and then I haven't been sick since. And it's crazy. And, and even in some training sessions, if I'd get anxious about doing them or something, I'd, I could be sick throughout a training session as well. So yeah, it's, it's crazy to even think that that used to happen. I mean, I, I feel like it goes to show at the top level, like how much the the mental game like plays its part. Yeah, definitely. I started working with Rich for, for, for sickness and then he's kind of stuck with me. for. He's one of the only people who has stuck with me. I do keep some, I do <laughs> keep some people away, yeah. well. So Rich, now I, I, I'm still working with Rich. All those poor coaches Rich. that have listened to this yeah. <laughs> crying. Oh my God. <laughs> But yeah, Rich is still working with me now, but it's more on like mental performance and yeah, getting better on the bike really. And are you less anxious now about racing? And what else? Yeah, yeah. What you say anxious. Is it anxiety about turning up or anxiety about performing, not performing well? What what would it be? I don't I, I used to get it I used to run cross country and I 
I used to skive all the time cross country because I hated, I hated the pressure of it. I just wanted to win, and I just I I don't even know really what it was, but so you're putting so much pressure I would, on yourself. Perhaps. I think I put so much pressure on myself. I just I just put my so much pressure on myself. I was so nervous and mm. so shaky, and I was just a different person. But yeah, if you saw me rolling up to a start line way back then, I wouldn't have been able to talk or no eat way. before a race. And then you see Start me now, and I'm you like, talk even. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like but waving it... and chatting. <laughs> and I mean, to be I'm... honest, yeah, like you, it's crazy. You are the most chatty person in the pits. <laughs> like you are. It's, it's yeah. yeah. So yeah, now it's right. completely different. And even now, like with Rich, I pretend like I'm like Lizzo going to the start line. Like I'm this like confident person right. that has no worries and. And like, yeah, he's helped me be this like who I am, but getting that person to the start line, not in some like worried, anxious form of herself. Like when I come to the start line, I am me, like how you'd see me on another day, not like super worried or anything. And I I love that because it's taken a long time to do that. Yeah. Evie, I know you've talked a little bit about how you wish you had kind of a role model in that way to work through some of these issues. Like what advice would you give girls who are coming up or, or like parents who have children, like what do you feel like you figured out that you wish somebody had told you before? Yeah, I, th- I think I always looked up to people and thought, oh, they never eat cake or they'll never have a cocktail and they never go and ha- have a party. And I just think, gosh, go and do those things. Well, if you're an under 23, eat the cake, go and have a party, go and do whatever you want. Like the bike racing, you can be you can be 100% dedicated if you want to be when the Olympics comes. But I think whilst you're young and getting into it, just not to put all those pressures, I think you always look up and see these perfect athletes and just you're striving to be that. And I just think enjoy riding with your friends and do the things you want to do. Obviously, you need to make some sacrifices. Like You can't just be drinking and partying every day. <laughs> yeah, I got away with it. <laughs> yes, you can. In the 90s... <laughs> Back in the day, back in the day. <laughs> Sorry, no, 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 no. You probably could. I haven't tried it, if I'm honest. But oh, I just think, yeah, not in just cross country. <laughs> you can hang on for three minutes. Gravity, you know what I mean? Yeah, not in your game. Not in your game. But yeah, just like no. to make sure you like you're enjoying yourself and you're happy. I think that's the most important, and then you can fine tune those little things, really. But I think that's the most important thing at the end of the day. And it does, you know, it really feels like you have found that balance. It feels like you've been through an awful lot as well to get to where you are, but you've performed brilliantly. You know, as we said, you've been world champion. We wish you the best of luck this year in Glasgow. We will be there watching. We can't wait to see that. And uh, as ever, Evie, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Don't change. Just stay exactly (laughs) as you are because you're you're the greatest role model for, for women's cross country. You're amazing. So thanks for that. And thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Evie. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks very much. Well, thanks so much to Evie. She's just such a character. I feel like we all need a little bit more Evie in our lives. We absolutely do. Yeah, she's amazing. She's got a great story and just shows that there are so many different routes into cycling. And on that, we want to hear your origin stories. What is your intro into cycling? How has it changed your life? Get in touch and let us know. All the details are in the episode description. Well, good luck to Evie in Glasgow and everyone competing. 
fingers crossed, we hope to bring you an episode of Just Ride from Glasgow very soon. Oh, yeah, we do. And I can't wait for that. And don't forget, there are new episodes of Just Ride every other Tuesday, available to listen to on redbull.com or wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to watch us too, not sure why you would, then you can on Red Bull TV. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.